Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Fandom Power. Once again, this week, it's just me and Andy. Hank is still on the lam. Uh, He's got some life things going on, so we wish him all the best in uh, whatever's going on this week. Uh, This week, we're going to do something uh, a little different. I mean, last week was a lot of fun. And uh, in case you missed that one, that was our prop culture episode uh, where we talked about a whole bunch, like 22 different uh, reused film props. 22 on the 22nd. Yeah, which is... uh, uh, the audio version of that just went up. It did. So that's uh, available for anybody. Although I have to tell you, you get more out of the video. The version. video version is much more rewarding if you uh, want to check that out. But this week, sort of in a in a, s- a similar vein, not the same vein, but a similar vein. This is another one off the list of. Hmm, what should we do? Mm-hmm. So movie related, though. Yeah, it is movie related. This week, Andy and I thought it would be fun for us to lay out our own personal top 10 movie soundtracks of all time well at least for us anyway opinion based <laughs> they are totally opinion based uh certainly for me i could tell you that uh, my list if i was to do this again tomorrow might not look like the list that i have prepared for today's show so seen some good ones in the last couple of days have you no it's just i mean the criteria that i use i'm a music dude like you could take tv away from me you could probably take movies away from me, but if you took away music, I, I would be miserable. So music is kind of my thing. It has been for a long time. And uh, God, there are so many. That's what made this one hard for me because uh, there's a lot of stuff on my list that could have rated higher or lower, depending on how I was feeling, you know, each day. And that's why I say like, run this exercise again tomorrow it might not even be it might not even be the same list it could be a different list there was a whole lot of stuff so i gotta ask because i know i did but did you have a uh, like a process like when you're coming up with your your list did you have certain things that you because we didn't actually i should preface this by saying we didn't actually talk about the criteria we didn't put any criteria on it we just said top 10 movie soundtracks go yeah did you you did you use a process or did you eliminate anything or did you include certain things like uh, I looked at it like if the soundtrack is listenable for me front to back yeah. on a regular basis yeah it would make my top 10 because like there's a lot of soundtracks I've picked up over the years where you know one track is one on track yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that one but 
that doesn't really make it my top 10 that song might be in there gotcha gotcha i feel the very i feel very much the same way as you do about that because like i said i mean if it was just like like anthems or like or title tracks or whatever oh my god the list would just be endless yeah because like Um, a, a lot of them i eliminated like because there's only a couple tracks i do like right 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 i'm the same way I'm the same way. That's how I went from having like multiple films from the same franchise on my list to like, no, just one. <laughs> and that happens a couple of times on my list. I had a couple thoughts about it. I, the first thing that I did and, and uh, I eliminated musicals okay. because if I had had have kept musicals on the list, then we would have seen things like uh, guarantee I would have put the Wizard of Oz and and probably the Sound of Music on my list, and they definitely are not on there. Because when you start looking at musicals, like that, just becomes this whole other yeah, this whole other animal. And so that, and I guess certain biopics too. Well, like, that's the other thing, right? Like line or I, if I'm going to eliminate musicals, I'm like, okay, so then I need to eliminate, uh, like you say, biopics for anybody that's musically based. Yeah. And then uh, there was one other thing. Oh, rock operas. Because there are a couple There are a couple of uh, albums out there that are also rock operas. So, for example, Tommy by The Who is also a film. Hmm. Pink Floyd, The Wall is also a film. If I was to include those, I don't feel like that's a fair... No. That doesn't feel like a fair one to me. It's like you could throw Green Day on there, too, for American Idiot. It wasn't yeah, a film, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a Broadway thing. Oh, that's true. I guess, yeah... Oh, wow. Stage. I never even thought about stage stuff, too, because then, then you've got like uh, the, the Queen show. Uh, what's Rogers the Rogers the musical? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the movie. The what's that movie that Tom Cruise did that started off as a stage show? Um, oh, my Lord. I actually went to see this. I saw an off-Broadway production of this. Um, cocktail? Not Cocktail. It was more recent than that. Russell Brand was in it. It was really good. I mean, if you like Tom Cruise, it was really good. If you don't, then maybe it wasn't so good. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> All right, word of caution before we get going here, because I think we're about ready to kick off with the uh, list. Oh, first comment coming in here from uh, Eric, who says, top 10 musicals show next week, question mark? Maybe. Oh, my God. So, well, I mean, if we were to do the top 10 musicals, I think my be an awful lot of Disney in there, I think. Yeah, disney for sure right 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 uh, i don't know phantom of the opera kind of ranks up there too uh have you seen the film the phantom of the opera the robert england version robert england oh no i'm talking the one gerard butler plays the phantom that one yet he does his own singing and it is fantastic Hmm. actually um uh andrew lloyd weber actually wrote new material new music for the film adaptation the film is wonderful by the way folks if you've never seen it i absolutely recommend it that you check it out i will have to go watch it the one thing that we did agree on and it kind of came later on in the um in the planning process for this was because some of these soundtracks are like really really good if you had to limit it to just one signature track yeah what was it going to be and i know i had a hard time with a couple of them because there's some of them that i just love so much of the music on them that it could have been any of them yeah more or less more or less um yeah other than that i guess the the other oh no you know what there is a couple other things um and i'm sure it was the same for you do you find like certain music music stirs the soul right it does and i think for me the the stuff that i emotionally 
that I found emotionally resonant. Can I say that? I think so. Sure. That's the kind of stuff that I ranked higher on my list. Um, but then I realized if I was to do that, cause there's a lot of stuff like instrumental, like classical scores, yeah. classical scores do that an awful lot for me. Um, but I found that generally speaking, the most resonant stuff is kind of the ones I can sing along with, <laughs> you know, like in the car, in the shower, there you go. You know, I like to sing, so uh, not that it'll ever happen on this show, but uh, well, yeah, it happened last week. Okay, but I was kind of m- mocking myself, so maybe, but <laughs> I got some good reviews of that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, nice. People were entertained. By <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, then, hey, if it works, I'm happy about it. <laughs> if it works. It works. All right, you want to kick it off with our uh, with our top ten movie soundtracks of all time? I think so. All right, we'll bounce this one back and forth, and uh, starting at the bottom, right? Yes. Start okay. at Number ten. All right, number ten. My number 10 on the top 10 soundtracks of all time is uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. It's an all-classical score. It's composed by a two-time Academy Award winner, James Horner. Uh, James Horner, by the way, who won uh, the Academy Award for Best Original Score for Titanic and for Best Original Song with My Heart Will Go On. Uh, So, of all the Star Trek films... This one, uh, this, the soundtrack for this one is clearly the most militaristic. Can I say that militaristic? Well, it's got wrath in it. So, well, they really, well, yes, it does, but they really went out of their way. Like there's no secret that the analogy to submarine warfare in this movie, like this is, this movie is literally like, could have been, if you would, you know, change it to like a, on earth and had it sort of like an ocean seafaring, uh, for red October. Yeah. It could totally fit in that. And uh, of all the tracks on that, I would have to say that the signature track is uh, uh, The Enterprise Clears Moorings, and it sounds a little bit like this. You can picture the ship going out. Absolutely. So, I mean, like that, it's funny that you say that because there was a lot of re Star Trek two used a lot of stuff over again, kind of like last week, reusing the uh, same props, the prop, the, but like regular one. The whole, the whole like flying in the shuttle up to the Enterprise is almost a shot for shot reuse of when they did it in the motion picture. Oh, but the music, it like, is that not the most swashbuckling kind of Star Trek music you've ever heard? For sure. Yeah. And it, and it turns up again because they use parts of it again in uh, Star Trek 3 as well. Nice. What about you? Where's your, uh, where are you at for your number 10? Uh, my number 10, it is the soundtrack for train spotting. Ooh. Uh, this one was originally released July 9th, 1996 under the Capitol Records label. And because it was so popular, it prompted a second release of a volume two in October of 97 with music that didn't make the first cut. So basically, I guess it became a two-parter, but for today, I'm sticking with part one. I like when they do that. There's a few soundtracks that I do in the research for this one where you realize that Oh, here's the, here's the deluxe version. And, and these are the, you know, all the temp tracks or all the music that was the inspiration to what actually showed up on the soundtrack or things that didn't make the original soundtrack. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Fun fact about this one in uh, 2007, the editors at Vanity Fair. Right. Ranked the first volume of it as the seventh best soundtrack in history. Really? Uh Uh-huh. And it also ranked at number 17, on Entertainment Weekly's 100 Best Movie Scores back in 2001. 
and just to round out their list of accomplishments uh, in 2013, it would be ranked number 13 on Rolling Stone's list of 25 greatest soundtracks of all time. Really? Yeah. So, and like it, it crosses barriers. You get like early punk stuff, you get all stuff, you get electronica and uh, you know, start to finish is a great ride. Excellent. I've got one that's on the, on the bestsellers list of all time as well. Nice. I'm going to save it though. What uh, did you get? Did you pick did, what uh, track did you think was the signature track for uh, this one? Not the one that uh, initially got released as a single, but uh, for me, it's Lust for Life by Iggy Pop. Oh, right. Yeah, that one, it, it encompasses the entire feeling of the movie. It's been so for long me. since I've seen the film. It's like, I don't remember the context. Uh running along trying to get heroin basically <laughs> i can't relate i'm sorry <laughs> i i legitimately cannot relate to that <laughs> i can't relate to that but i like the music uh yeah well i mean what's not to like about it yeah uh a lot of compilations on your list a lot of them yeah yeah i have a few a few compilations as well all right let's move on to number nine right. uh number nine for me no surprise here if you've watched any of our show we're not a star wars show you should have expected this one number nine for me it is the uh uh, the empire strikes back soundtrack uh this one uh, composed by five-time academy award winner john williams uh by the way i could have done an entire show just on my favorite john williams scores do a couple shows on his score oh i know i know uh five-time winner though uh one previously for fiddler on the roof jaws uh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, that is, E.T. and Schindler's List. The reason that I picked this one over, and I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I could have picked all the other ones. I almost went with The Phantom Menace. I almost went with The Phantom Menace oh, uh, specifically, the yeah, specifically for Duel of the Fates. But then I came back to Empire because of all of the, of all of the Star Wars soundtracks out there, the music from Empire more than anything else is the one that's reused in other star Wars media. Yeah. So like that sequence where they're flying through the asteroid belt, how many times has that been used like in video games? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the one that introduced us to our uh, signature track and the signature track for this one, it should be a no brainer. Of course, it's the, uh, the Imperial March also known as Darth Vader's theme. <laughs> Fun fact on that one. That was the song we left the uh, altar at when we got married. Oh, you're kidding me. No, that was my march out. You like the full? The full Imperial March. Jen, let me do it. Oh, that's hilarious. So what's interesting about the Imperial March, and this is just a, a funny little thing, like people who don't know Star Wars, they still know the Imperial March. Like, did you, (laughs) have you seen the clip of the little girl? She's like, like crib like toddler in her crib i have not seen this listen to this <laughs> that's awesome. that's unmistakable no, as the imperial march right like so i mean that's what i'm saying like kids people who don't even know um come on now change change channels here here we go people who don't even know Star Wars still, you know, as soon as you hear the Imperial March, they know what it is. It's one that's transcended. Its yeah, 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 absolutely. That's my number nine. Where about, where are you at? Uh, my number nine's a bit uh, obscure, but uh, I like it. Uh, might not be high on a lot of other people's, but, you know, 
why not be weird uh-huh. it is the soundtrack to uhf by weird al yankovic i see what you did there uh-huh. <laughs> i love weird al so anything weird al on any list is okay with me this movie is completely underrated i don't know why it doesn't get more love and he needs to do a sequel so uh weird al get on it weird al if you're listening and we know you're not <laughs> he might be, but there is a biopic coming starring daniel Radcliffe. i saw that the first uh shots of daniel in costume surfaced what yeah. last week yep yeah. And uh, it looks completely corny, but I totally buy it. <laughs> I'm in for it. No problem. Uh, I got a Weird Al connection on this list, too. So nice. that'll be interesting to get to. So uh, this one here, it was originally released July 18th, 1989. Uh, and it was titled The Original Motion Picture Soundtrack and Other Stuff. And Other Stuff. Uh, it also doubles as his sixth studio album. Oh, really? And this was the final Weird Al album to be produced by rick derringer wait like yeah like jesse's girl rick derringer rock and roll oh rock and roll hoochie coo rick derringer yeah 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 yeah. of course really yeah i had no idea that he was uh yeah apparently uh, he'd done the first six albums i had no idea (laughs) so uh this one it features you know your standard amount of weird al parody songs like right uh, right a parody of money for nothing yes oh well that was like hillbillies that was a monumental hit for him especially the music video yeah and then it also includes a bunch of uh, commercial snippets from the film. Oh, right. So right, like right. the trailer for Gandhi two and spatula city and right. All the commercials for the other public access TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It definitely deserves a rewatch. Excellent. Uh, signature track obviously is uh, UHF. Oh, the title track itself. Cool. <laughs> oh my god they do ah uh, i just love everything he does he's an amazing human being by he the is. way yeah yeah you know the soundtrack it only peaked at 146 on the billboard hot 200 and the title track that uhf it didn't even chart on the hot oh hot 200 that's the the album chart yeah 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 that's actually good though but it, it made the top 200 so that's really cool yeah but if you're a fan of weird al this is a solid album you know it's everything you've come to expect from him and you know, commercial success kind of flopping aside. Sure. I did say it's his second lowest showing on the charts ahead of uh, 1986's Polka Party. Yeah. But the movie was great and the soundtrack is still on rotation in my list. Oh, that's awesome. I want to, it makes me want to go back and watch it again. Oh, it's another one that's like, you see it and you go, oh, I know I saw it, but I, I don't remember much of it. Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. Wasn't Kramer in that? Yeah. Stanley yeah, yeah. From the firehose. <laughs> Uh, i got a new mop okay well um seeing as i've already prepared you for it (laughs) number eight my number eight uh we're going back to john williams uh this time we're going to uh superman the motion picture superman the movie love superman the movie um and this one uh again composed by john williams who i've already read his stats i'm not going to read them again but like uh, a bunch of the soundtracks that were recorded in that time period. This one was recorded by the London Symphony Orchestra. And I mean, what a time to be a member of that orchestra because uh, in the years between 1970 and 1980, they actually recorded 14 film scores. Five of them were John Williams movies, which makes it more than any composer in the same time period. So, pretty cool to be a member of that orchestra at the time. And honestly, I mean, uh, 
how do you not include John Williams on a list of best soundtracks of all times when you when you think of the number of just pop culture anthems? Yes, that have uh, for have me been, though, yeah. you would have to mix it up though, because like you would take title tracks from basically everything he's done. Give me a compilation. Oh, that yeah, I would totally buy that too. Mind you, with Spotify, there are playlists. Got a comment here from uh, Zach over on YouTube. John Williams is a musical genius, hands down the best. Oh, I can't disagree with that. I really, really resonate with that statement. But up there in those best rafters, uh, he does share some company. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, I've got there's some I mean, yeah. really talented people out there. There absolutely is. And people that you wouldn't expect. No. Yeah, yeah. Like if I told you uh, that Stuart Copeland did the soundtrack for Highlander 2. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. It's weird, but it's cool. All right. And I mean, if we're going to talk Superman, like, remember the tagline for the movie? You'll believe a man, You'll believe can, a man fly. can fly, right? And when you hear the opening, uh, the main title march, like, there's just... I believe it. Uh, again, I'm, I'll play it for you, and then we can talk a little bit more about it. But here it goes. Is there another piece of music that is associated with Superman more than that? I don't think so. Uh, I don't either. Like it encompasses up, up and away. Uh, absolutely. Like, uh, so, I mean, it show it, this is the, again, it's the most uh, synonymous piece of music to Superman used more than any other theme written for the character. It showed up in uh, 1988. There was a Superman Saturday morning cartoon by Ruby Spears. Hmm. They used it for the theme song for that. Um, parts of it were used in uh, man of steel. Uh, they used it again for the 2006 spiritual successor, Superman Returns. And even uh, what, last year, two years ago, the Arrowverse crossover? Two years now. Crisis on Infinite Earths reused a, por a portion of that as well. So, I mean, you cannot think Superman and not hear that music no. or hear that music and not think Superman. Yeah. Um, if we were just going by emotional resonance. That's a big one. That song might have actually been my number one uh man i i'm not gonna lie i might have had a couple of tears sitting here the other day as i was putting this together but yeah i absolutely love that song so that's my number eight nice how about you man uh, my number eight is a fairly recent one it is the birds of prey the album no no surprise that a movie featuring harley quinn was going to be on your list yeah <laughs> This one uh, originally released February 7th, 2020 by Atlantic Records. It yep. had five singles released prior to its street date. Uh, the singles were the tracks Diamonds by Megan Thee Stallion and yep. Normani. Uh, Jokes on You by Charlotte Lawrence. Okay. Ross Bitch by Doja Cat. Sway With Me by Saweetie and Galaxar. And Experiment On Me by Halsey. But only the Doja track, the Doja Cat track, right. would make it onto the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, so it didn't uh, get the reception they were hoping, I guess. But right, right, right. When it debuted, it showed up at number 23 on the Billboard Top 200. OK. And it would go on to receive the 2020 American Music Award for Top Soundtrack. Oh, that's cool. So it did get recognition. Yeah, yeah. Um, any of those singles could be considered the signature track of the album. Uh, but for me, it's the cover of the James Brown classic. It's a man's world. Performed by Black Canary actress Journey Smollett Bell. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. 
it's definitely sensual. I she now hits it's the high notes and yeah. So I wish I had the Brown, the James Brown version to compare it against because I, I have a feeling it's not really like that. No. Yeah. Okay. No, his, his is a more <laughs> classical soul feel. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, the genres on this one, they switch around pretty fast, but they flow together. And the fact that it's an all female led soundtrack right. reflects well on the empowered female element in the film, which is fantastic. Oh, right. That is a major theme in throughout the movie. Yeah. 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 This is one of those soundtracks, you know, I was compelled to go out and get it after my first view of the, of the movie. So. Okay. All right. It's like had to have it. Yeah. Um, are we ready to move on? I think so. Okay. Number seven, this one's kind of goofy at the same time. Oh, I have to tell you, I put this together, uh, the show we put it together well uh over the last week um prior to the world the events that are happening around the world right now so uh pure coincidence but my, my number seven of all things is uh rocky four fight the russians kind of east meets west kind of thing going on um which makes it even really really topical right now hmm. uh this one was composed by vince decola uh, sort of all the classical pieces were vince decola uh, who's going to come up again on this list for something else. But uh, then a bunch of other tracks from a bunch of different artists. This one is the only Rocky film that was not scored by Bill Conti, but it's also the only Rocky soundtrack to actually have two top five singles. Coincidentally, one of them was a James Brown song living in America. And then what I would consider to be the signature track of the film, which is burning heart from survivor. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, we talk about uh, Rocky and Survivor. They kind of go together too, right? Mm, because, yeah. So, I mean, Eye of the Tiger, right? Which is also on Rocky Four, even though it's it's a holdover from Rocky III. Um, when you put together that Eye of the Tiger and Burning Heart, they are not the same singer. Hmm. They are two different singers. They'd had a change of lineup in the years between the two movies. Uh, and so that uh, Burning Heart was actually uh, Jimmy Jameson. Hmm. And uh, whose first uh, first hit with the band was another soundtrack song, which is also on my list. <laughs> Although I didn't pick that song. <laughs> but yeah, Burning Heart uh, hit the Billboard Hot 100, peaked out at number two. Nice. That's very impressive for a soundtrack song, if you mm-hmm. ask me. So yeah, Rocky Four, my number seven. What nice. about you? Uh, my number seven, it goes to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. Oh, Raimi, you yeah. wily cat, you. Uh, this one's originally released on June 30th, 2004 under the Columbia Records label. Yep. And it would go on to reach the number one slot on the U.S. Billboard soundtrack album. Charts. Number one? Number one. That's impressive. And that was in the weekly runnings. And at the end of the year, in the overall, it hit number four. That's, so that's right super impressive. Uh, this one is an odd one, though, because different versions of the soundtrack exist outside of the United States. Really? Yeah. And these contain additional tracks by artists that are exclusive to their native countries. Okay. So these versions came from places like the UK, Australia, Japan, oh. Pakistan, Poland, and Brazil. So do we think that the, were those tracks in the foreign language versions of the markets they appeared in? I believe they were in all versions of the film okay just did not make the soundtrack for whatever region oh interesting okay that's cool uh the last two tracks on here also contain uh, suites from the movie score by grammy award-winning composer danny elfman oh danny who has been responsible for 
composing over 100 feature film scores, wow. as well as tele uh, television properties and uh, others like The Simpsons. Excellent. So uh, there were two singles released in the U.S., and one of them I do consider the signature track of this album. Yep. And it is Vindicated by Dashboard Confessional. Cool. impulse because it was a spider-man movie but yeah, yeah. i'm really glad i did because it's made its way into my collection and stayed in rotation really? ever since the only spider-man i actually i bought the physical copy of amazing spider-man 2 and uh <laughs> i put it in the in the glove box of my car and then i put my car into storage and so i listened to it like two or three times and then i never saw it again for like months <laughs> don't put your zds in the glove box kids no don't leave me in the car uh, no <laughs> Remember that uh, movie I was telling you about? I said that uh, Survivor was going to come up again? Yes. Okay, so th they didn't come up in this particular choice, but they are in this movie, which is my number six, and uh, that would be The Karate Kid. Nice. Which is kind of cool. I think maybe Karate Kid probably piqued my interest a little bit more because Cobra Kai is kind of in the public eye right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of... Really well. Yeah. A lot of the Karate Kid music has come back in one form or another in Karate Kid. Hmm. This one is a straight up. Uh, this is like various artists. Um, Karate Kid is like one of those soundtracks that I call like the quintessential 80s soundtrack because like a bunch of the 80s soundtracks, it's like full of artists that you've never heard of. <laughs> you know, there, there are like bands out there that made an entire career out of just doing like score, like film and TV work. And this is right up there with one of them. Uh, except for, as I was saying before, the moment of truth. And I don't know if you remember that. It's the moment of truth. You're giving it all. That's the song that plays, uh, uh god where does it play it's part of the tournament at the end of the movie huh. and it it's probably a bell though uh it probably could have well you can look it up after i will it probably could have been the signature track because it's one of the ones that plays during the tournament but honestly when i think of karate kid i think about the date scene when daniel and ali go on their date to uh the theme park the weird amusement place. right right and then they end up uh where did I put it? Oh, yeah, here it is. They play this song. It's called Young Hearts by a band called Commuter. Definitely screams 80s. Well, it does. And it it's a bit of a conundrum because I don't know if you were listening to it lyrically speaking. When I watched this movie at what age, what, 10, 11 or whatever, when it came out, I'm like, oh, it's kind of it's kind of cool because it's just like this awesome like little date song. But like listening to it now as like a 40 plus year old and you listen to it lyrically, it's a tragedy describing oh, no. someone dying in a car wreck. Oh, no. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Either way, I think it still has a great hook and uh, I still love the song. I think it's great. Uh, it's right up there with that. Um, was it Pearl Jam or Eddie Eddie Vedder by himself that covered oh, uh, uh, the yes. last last kiss? Last, last kiss. Last kiss same thing you know how when that song came out people were just like this is awesome and i'm like it's sad it's horrific he's holding his dying girlfriend right right so same thing i mean commuter ali and daniel having this like fun little date while dude's singing about someone dying in a car wreck <laughs> <laughs> how does that work together well, they just needed the young hearts part right so uh oh sorry it wasn't um you're giving it all uh moment of truth the survivor song it was the uh oh 
you're the best that's the other one that played uh, during the tournament that one I you're the best around yeah nothing's gonna ever bring you down i told you i wasn't gonna sing now i've done it twice there you go <laughs> okay so that's my number six uh what about you uh my number six is uh it happened kind of by accident uh mostly because of my kids repeat viewings of stuff oh doesn't that the way it's pervasive the way it creeps in it does. wait till you have grandchildren yeah. <laughs> but uh mine is dreamworks home nice and you know originally released march 23rd 2015 under the westbury road and rock nation labels okay uh, it's a collection featuring music from rihanna j-lo uh jacob plant and more it would peak at number four on the billboard u.s soundtrack charts nice but the first single rihanna's toward the sun would hit number one on the billboard u.s kids digital songs chart oh so kids were digging it uh both rihanna and j-lo have voice roles in the film uh with rihanna starring or sharing the starring role with uh, the big bang theory's jim parsons oh cool and the movie itself is based on a 2007 children's book right called the true meaning of schmeck day schmeck day schmeck day by adam rex cool and during production as far back as 2012 uh rihanna was known that she was going to be in the starring role of tip right and towards the sun is as good a signature track as you could ask for. oh cool i can't tell you that i'm a huge rihanna fan but i like her that's kind of cool yeah this one came into my collection after repeated viewings with the kids oh sure you know, sure it, it's catchy and it caught on right right that's kind of like how we had uh at our house it was moana for like well first it was frozen uh, then it was moana and e- let it go even <laughs> even now it's a flip-flop between the two frozens and moana when when our granddaughter is over so i can see how stuff something like that would creep into your list yep all right we're moving on now we're going down we're top well, we've just had the bottom half we're now in the top half now this one oh man <sighs> I love this movie uh, and this is a case of maybe where the, the, the soundtrack might actually be better than the movie that it's in, but it is absolutely the perfect soundtrack by the perfect artist for what I think is a solid sequel. And I'm really, really upset that Disney has abandoned it because my number five is the soundtrack to Tron legacy. I'm a huge Tron fan. Love the original Tron loved legacy so much it was so good i can't tell you the number of times i've watched this movie i love it that much nice the whole thing was composed by daft punk and when you under if you know who daft punk is and i'm sure many of you who are watching listening do thematically speaking is there another artist that is there a more perfect artist to do a soundtrack for a movie that takes place in a computer i wouldn't think so (laughs) i don't think so either maybe if you combined a bunch of them but for an overall no that's what i mean and then there's this uh like this is one of those soundtracks that's that spurred a sequel uh and it's straight up all just remixes it's called uh, tron legacy derezzed the derezzed edition it's it adds a whole new layer because some of the tracks are like unrecognizable but yet they are so they are daft punk and you hear it and you kind of go oh this is so good all right so Initially, when I was looking for a signature track, I was actually going to pick the uh, D-Rezzed, which is one of the... Do you remember the movie? Remember the nightclub sequence? Uh, vaguely. There's a nightclub sequence where they go to to speak to this character who's supposed to have some information. And, you know, he, he basically 
drinks on the house and this is one of the songs that plays it's derezzed but and it's it's like completely like daft punk it's fast it's frenetic but really the end title credits if you ask me um kind of encapsulate everything that was in the movie so yeah for me it's the uh end title credits or the end credits from uh, tron Lake. By the way, Daft Punk actually cameo in the movie nice. in the night in the nightclub sequence. Oh, they're they're actually DJing in the club, so that's another cool that's one for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, man. Where are we at now? Oh, we got another uh, comment come in from Sean Colbert. Oh, let's have a look here. Oh, nice. Sean says the Godzilla soundtrack rocks, and I'm not sure which Godzilla you're talking about. Sean, is that the uh, is that the one with uh, Matthew Broderick or one of the newer movies? Because I don't imagine you're talking about the the classic, uh, the classic Japanese produced stuff. Maybe you are. I don't know. Let us know. But uh, my number five, number five, is the soundtrack to Avengers: Infinity War. Mm, that's a uh, that's cool. I like that. Start to finish, I love it. Uh, originally released digitally on April 27th, 2018, it would physically be released May 18th. Like almost a month later. Yeah. I wonder why. Don't know. But uh, it was released under the Hollywood Records label. Cool. And this is the first full original score album on my list. Yeah. It was composed by Alan Silvestri. Oh, another uh, another, another heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was also responsible for the scores to a slew of other films, sure, such sure. as the Back to the Future trilogy. Yes. Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit, Cast Away, Forrest Gump, The Polar Express, and more. Please, Eddie. That's right. <laughs> well, son. Uh, but the album would be nominated in 2019 for the Grammy Awards Best Instrumental Composition category. Right, right. And it would also peak at number 92 on the U.S. Billboard 200. Uh, when, so, you, when you told me that this was your track and I looked at it, I'm like, it's 26 seconds. I'm like, really? Yeah. 26 seconds. It's a short one, but it, is. It, it comes back around a whole bunch of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, you know, there's two versions of this soundtrack out there floating around. Uh, the first one has a runtime of 71 minutes and 36 seconds. Yep. But the second is an extended deluxe edition uh, with additional material and extended versions of tracks. And it clocks in with a runtime of 116 minutes oh, and that's, 18 seconds. That's rather substantial. Yeah. So it's quite the jump. Right, right. Uh, the signature track for me on this one is the opening one. It's titled The Avengers. And how can it not be when you yeah. know what it is? Yeah. How it sets the tone for the rest of the movie and it just lands with such impact. If if the main title sequence to Superman is synonymous with Superman, this one is this not just synonymous with like the MCU? I would think so. It's At like this point it has to be. It's like the the it's the thing that plays like before every when the Marvel thing is going when the pages are flipping. Yeah, that's kind of the that's their default go to now. Another comment from uh, Steve. Steve says the Detroit Rock City soundtrack had a great set of songs on it. It did. I also oh, agree with yes. that. Well, you can't. I like Kiss, so I'm right there with you on that one. All right. Oh, number five is out of the way. Moving down to number four, number four. Okay. So I said that I was not going to, that I eliminated uh, biopics and that technically is true, 
But my number four is like really, really, really loosely based on a real life story. So that and that is the movie Rockstar with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Nice. If you've never seen uh, seen this movie, I highly recommend that you check it out um, because it's kind of it's goofy in all the right ways, especially if you're like an old school metalhead like me, (laughs) you'll you'll appreciate this. So. Again, it is the the loosest or closest thing to a biopic on my list as it loosely and and I do mean very loosely interprets the story of uh, Tim Ripper Owens, who actually went from being a fan of Judas Priest to actually becoming the lead singer of the band. But uh, the film is like it's so fictionalized from the actual events uh, that it is considered a complete work of fiction. Um, Tim had actually said in an interview that if he could have sued, he would have. It's that bad. <laughs> Got some details wrong, apparently. Right, right, right. And despite having the star power of both Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston, the film was a commercial flop. It only made $19 million on a $57 million budget. Ouch. But here's the thing, right? The real star power in this movie is actually the fictional band at the center of it called Steel Dragon. And Steel Dragon is like this metal super group and like made up of real world players. We got Zach Wilde on guitar who played with Ozzy and of course his own band, uh, Black Label Society. You got Jason Bonham on drums who is like rock royalty, the son of John Bonham. You've got... um, and then your vocals, they're split between Jeff Scott Soto, who uh, sang on uh, Ingve Malmsteen's first two records, and also with Journey between 2006 and 2007. And uh, all the heavy lifting in the vocal department is from a guy by the name of uh, Milenko Matejevic. And he's a guy that sings for a band called Steelheart. Huh. They're, of all of the Steel Dragon uh, songs on the soundtrack, none of them are like new original songs. They're all kind of like cover songs uh including the signature what i consider to be the signature song it's actually a steel heart song and it's called uh we all die young but this is the uh, the film version which i think is just it's killer yeah so i mean and steel dragon is actually credited with having four uh four songs on the soundtrack so nice. when you hear steel dragon now you know who they are not to be confused with steel panther no <laughs> no uh, although i mean steel panther probably could have been the band in this movie and been just as credible as they are in real life <laughs> follow-up comment from sean uh talking about godzilla yes the 1998 movie with the song from jimmy page and puff daddy which was uh largely sampled uh the zeppelin tune mm-hmm. uh, good lord it's from houses of the holy um um Kashmir. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so Rockstar, uh, it's kind of considered to be a terrible movie, but I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. What about you, man? You're, uh... My number four, uh, it might not be everybody's favorite, but uh, National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Van Wilder? All right. Uh, this one was released on March 26, 2002, and this is another one of those soundtracks that got multiple releases under multiple labels. Really? Uh, but for today, I'm talking about the North American. We are talking about, okay, that's fine. From uh, Ultimatum Records. Nice. Uh, this one, like so many films from this era, it does omit some of the music heard in the film. Okay. And, but it managed to capture the majority of the more memorable stuff that's featured. Right. 
but with a total of 42 songs featured in oh, the movie, yeah, they managed to pare it down to only 13. 42, you say? 42. So that would have been a lot. Anything instrumental on that? Uh, not that I know of. It's all like just like early 2000s actual, oh, okay, alt okay. rock. Nice. Uh, you know, the soundtrack, it wasn't a huge commercial success. No, but it's a solid soundtrack for the time. And it hits the ground running with Roll On by the Living End. And it flows from upbeat to emotive and right back down again. Right, right. Um, star of the film is Canada's darling Ryan Reynolds. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Deadpool. Yes, it's leaps and bounds above the two sequels. But uh, this is another one of those I had to get after seeing the film. Yes. And even though so many songs didn't make the cut, I was not disappointed by it. Oh, that's cool. But uh, for the signature track, yep. for me, it's uh, hit the ground. Hit the ground. Six Have the, I don't recognize them from anything else. I don't know that they've done much more past that, but uh, are they one of those bands that made a career out of scoring films? It could be, maybe, maybe. I got a guy like that on my list who's done nothing but well, he's he's done other things, but I mean, he's most recognized for for film scoring. But yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. yeah. Oh my God, we are, I can't believe it. We're hit the top three already. How did we get here so fast? It's a fast list. Top three. Okay, we're cracking the top three. I I would have been surprised if I didn't see this one on your list. Okay, I was going to say, did you know that I was in the military at one time? (laughs) Did you know that this was my favorite movie as a kid? I did know that. Okay, so this actually, uh, and also this movie is the first, it's the first movie that I ever bought on Blu-ray disc. Uh, and of course it's uh, 1986's top gun uh top gun was the best-selling soundtrack of 1986 no way huh you never would have guessed that one uh and it is considered to be one of the best sound- uh, selling soundtracks of all time i believe it it's also one of just a handful of soundtracks to reach that coveted number one spot on the billboard 200 <laughs> uh, yeah uh, but it also has a little bit of controversy surrounding it because of the number of artists that were approached to perform on it and then never did. Uh-oh. So that brings us to the signature track. And I don't think when you, I mean, when you think of Top Gun, you, there's maybe like three and that's being really generous. I mean, it's either the the Top Gun anthem, right? The, the Harold Faltemeyer piano bit with yeah. uh, Steve Stevens from Billy Idol playing guitar. There's, take my breath away and then there's this one of course it's uh i didn't even put any lyrics in that and you know exactly what that is right danger zone by uh, kenny loggins and you'd hear it on repeat at canada's wonderland (laughs) of course you would yeah 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 uh this one yes it was a number two hit for kenny loggins who by that time was a proven soundtrack guy i mean he'd already done uh i'm all right in uh, 1980s Caddyshack and Footloose from the 1981 film of the same name. But uh, Danger Zone, it's probably the heaviest thing that Kenny ever recorded that he did not write himself. Hmm. So this is where the the, the bit of controversy comes in because uh, the song was actually uh, co-written by uh, Giorgio Moroder and Tom Whitlock, who also wrote Take My Breath Away for Berlin, which is also on the soundtrack. But here's where it gets interesting, because Kenny Loggins was not actually the first choice to record it. It was originally supposed to go to Toto, 
but Toto, for whatever reasons, there's some, some of these have some legal reasons. And then others like, uh, Brian Adams, who did not want to be associated with the, with the film that he thought was so violent, they did not perform. So we, it went from Toto, Brian Adams, Ario Speedwagon and Corey Hart were all approached to record danger zone before it made it to Kenny Loggins. And really it's probably one of his biggest hits ever. I'd say so. So good for you, Kenny Loggins for being number what? One, two, three, being number five. (laughs) You may have been number five on the soundtrack, but you're number three on my list. I guess Brian Adams Uh, changed his tune for uh, Prince of Thieves. I suppose so, but that was a love story. Yeah. Circled by violence. (laughs) Yes, you're absolutely right. (laughs) I can't deny that. So yeah, Top Gun and Danger Zone. Gotta love it. Excellent. Uh, my number three, it goes to Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah. And this one first released April 13th, 2004 under the Maverick Records label. Cool. It reached number 58 on the Billboard 200 and number two on the Billboard soundtrack charts. Number two. Number two. Nice. So along with uh, the Wu-Tang Clan's RZA. Okay. Robert Rodriguez was hired to score the film. Wait, wait, wait. The director? Yeah. Oh, I vaguely knew that he was a musician. Yeah, but this there's some uh, stuff here because he said, you know, I'm I'm gonna do it as a favor for Quentin. Yeah, 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 sure. And he asked to only be paid one dollar. What? One dollar. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, Tarantino, he would repay the favor later by directing a scene in Rodriguez's Sin City. Oh, cool. For the same price, one dollar. One dollar. That's cool. So uh, you know, this one it mixes elements of dialogue from the film. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, it's got uh, an obscure variety of songs from across many different genres. Right, right, right. Uh, as far as signature tracks go, uh, comes down to a matter of taste. But for me, it's got to be Can't Hardly Stand It by Charlie Feathers. Oh, cool. Can't hardly stand it, you If that's not the most eclectic thing on this list, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it gets weirder. <laughs> But uh, there's also a hidden track on this one at the end of the album called Black Mamba by the Wu-Tang Clan. Really? I don't suppose that was for Black Mamba. I think it was. Oh, that's awesome. Is that the actual cover? That is the cover. I thought it would have been just a straight-up reuse of the film cover. The red and... Uh, the yellow, the suit, and the, the, the Bruce Lee homage suit. Oh, well, that was volume one. Volume one. Oh, okay, this okay, okay. This is the volume two, so this is more of the Western. Yeah, yeah, where she's actually dressed now for the wedding, yeah. Yeah, we get the whole backstory. And Not covered in blood. That's right. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. No. But, uh, yeah, that's my number three. Okay, which brings us... Oh, my God, we're getting down here, top two. Getting down to the crunch here. Uh, if the last one was not a surprise, then the next one on my list should, not be a surprise. should also not be a surprise. And, by the way, just putting this out here, my top three any one of them could have been number one so again this is uh you know today it's uh today this is my number two tomorrow it might be my number one remember that weird al connection we were talking about here it comes it comes in the form of 1986 as transformers the movie nice no surprise uh transformers uh for those of you who know me is my first love of toys uh and of course it it obviously was going to make my list and uh, like i said if i did this again tomorrow might be number one, might be number three. Who knows? Um, fun fact, Transformers the movie is probably the only soundtrack to have its own dedicated cover band. 
Cybertronic Spree. The Cybertronic Spree out of Toronto actually uh, performs and tours uh, the film's soundtrack dressed in Transformer costumes, I might add. I actually met the, a couple members of them. Have you? Oh, so uh, the drummer uh, at one time was Sean Hatton. Nice. If you remember Sean Hatton, he was on a, a, a video game uh, show. Remember um, Electric Playground? Yes. Yeah. So Sean Hatton used to be a, um, a reporter for them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and cool enough, they just did a music video. They just recorded and did a video for Dare to Be Stupid, which oh. also shows up on the Transformer soundtrack. And there's your Weird Al connection. And they got Weird Al to be in the video. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty cool. It's super cool. Uh, Eric says, uh, Transformers, eh? Totally didn't see that one coming. Uh, no, of course you didn't. Okay. This is where I get into that thing about where, you know, people who've made an entire career out of uh, making uh, movie music. And this one, I mean, again, this is probably the most synonymous thing uh, in music when you think about Transformers. And of course, it is The Touch by Stan Bush. You got the touch. Of course, The Touch is actually one of two songs that Stan had contributed to the soundtrack. Uh, the other one is Dare, which is the song from the the sequence where young Daniel and Hot Rod are fishing on the side of the on the river there, and the they have to get to the shuttle when it shows up. But anyway, uh, Stan Bush might as well be a Transformer, considering how much this guy has gone to bat for the brand. Uh, he is so like this guy knows where the where the bread's getting buttered. You know what I mean? Like he just he reeks Transformers, and he's super gracious to the fan community. Um. He's actually gone out and recorded new music for the live action features, which he submitted. Unfortunately, Paramount has decided uh, in every case not to use any of it. So, which is really disappointing because I mean, given how prolific he is or how synonymous he is with transformers, I'm surprised that they didn't use any of it. Yeah. What's kind of funny is that after like the first Bay transformers movie came out and the Lincoln park song went like through the roof, Stan actually re-recorded a version of The Touch, subtitled it Sam's Theme, and he did it in the style of Linkin Park, and it is, like, eerily cool in a way. Like, you should check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. All right. Uh, also, this, this song has actually got a few uses outside of, like, Transformers and other pop culture. Like It's one of those uplifting get-going songs. Uh, how about Boogie Nights? really yeah mark Wahlberg's character actually sings it in the sound booth when oh. he decides he's going to be a recording star yeah yeah which is kind of funny considering that boogie nights was set in the 70s and this song didn't come happened. out yeah the song didn't come out until like 85 or 86 oh, and stole it from mark Wahlberg. <laughs> and uh obviously uh it's shown up in the goldbergs which quite i mean if you've never watched the goldbergs this show is literally a love letter uh, to the 1980s so yep. yeah totally worth watching yeah uh stan bush the touch from transformers the movie very good yeah right on uh my number two yes sir uh, we're going to a double disc release for this one Ooh. Uh, it is the soundtrack to triple x oh nice with vin diesel uh, originally released on august 6 2002 through the universal music group this is the first two disc release on my list. And the first disc contains a blend of metal, alt rock and techno. And okay. the second disc, which is entitled the Xander zone contains mainly hip hop, the Xander zone. Yeah. 
Just like in the movie. Did he, uh, I was going to say, did he have sent any say in the night, the naming of this? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the album, it would peak at number one on the Billboard US soundtrack charts and would go on to be certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. Yeah, Rhea. Uh, back in 2002. Uh, in 2003, though, it would go double platinum by Music Canada, having sold over 200,000 copies. That's cool. So, Apparently, uh, we liked it. Yeah, we did. Us knuckleheads. But uh, not just us. This is another one that uh, in different regions, they got different releases. Uh, oh. In Canada, we got two extra tracks that the U.S. did not get. Oh, that's cool. And there were five singles released from the album. But my top choice for the signature track yep. is the same song you hear at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And it's Fire Fry by Ramstein. <laughs> All right. Let's take a listen. Listen, if I can, if I can get a Malmsteen reference in mind, you definitely deserve a Ramstein. <laughs> yeah, this track, coupled with the opening action sequence, you know, it sets a breakneck pace for the whole film, and it just keeps going right to the conclusion. It's a fantastic movie and a fantastic soundtrack. Do we consider this to be the better of the two movies? Uh, actually, I would consider it the better of the three movies. There's even a third one. There is. Did he come back for? He did. It was the return of Xander. It tells you how out of touch I am with triple. X. It wasn't bad. The third one wasn't bad, but uh, I, I think they missed the mark on part two. Oh, sure, sure. All right. Well, listen, we've we've now hit. Uh, wow, we're all the way down to uh, nothing left but our number ones. But oh. before we get to number one, before we get to number one, because like I said before, like and and you agreed with me, like yeah. we could have had a much much longer list, and uh, of course. We just don't have the time or the resources for it, but we do have a few honorable mentions. And so I guess I'll, I'm going to put mine out there. I've got three honorable mentions that I'm going to put out here in uh, no particular order other than I like them. These are probably ones where like, like you say, maybe one or two tracks that I really, really like, but the whole thing doesn't really deserve a spot on the list. Uh, so in no, in no particular order, it's going to be uh, Conan the Barbarian. I didn't realize we had slides for that. <laughs> I didn't realize we had slides for that. Yeah, so Conan the Barbarian for me, and then uh, uh, the 2009 uh, Star Trek with uh, Enterprising Young Men. And that, that is pretty much the theme for the, the JJ vs. Star Trek. By the way, by the way, confirmed, we're getting another one. Well, yeah, there's another one in development right now after languishing for quite a while not sure that the whole tarantino thing came and went and now we're back to yep there's going to be another one with the uh with the that cast huh. uh and then the, my last one is <laughs> going back to john williams with uh the the title theme to jurassic park nice how do you not yeah uh the jurassic park movie gets used in a lot of trailers it eh? Does. yeah 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 uh, for my honorable mentions, uh, first up, uh, also <laughs> Jurassic Park. Wait, you're kidding, right? Nope. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Journey nice. Nice. Track. Yeah, it's really good. What else you got? Uh, my next uh, honorable mention yep. is the soundtrack to Signs. Oh, Signs. Yeah. Uh, 
this one originally released in uh, July 30th, 2002. Sure. It was composed by James Newton Howard. Right, right. And it would be conducted by Pete Anthony and performed by the Hollywood Studio Symphony. Oh, nice. All right, take it back. That's the most eclectic thing on your list. <laughs> it's an intense soundtrack. It's thrilling. And as William Ruhlman said from uh, All Music in his yeah, review, sure. it is so relentless, there is just no let up. And he's right. Uh, no, you absolutely. The soundtrack hear is it. an intense journey, which, you know. I haven't watched that movie probably since it first was released to home media. So is it all like that? Like that kind of? It is. It it goes and it allows like it allows you to breathe for a minute before just dropping it right back on you again oh sure okay so all right you got something special here i do have a, an honorable mention one here uh the number one choice for my son parker oh. currently is the soundtrack to moana all right i hope you're listening and watching parker because this one's for you buddy as i said i've heard that a million times in our house i mean oh yeah yeah uh, and then when I was putting it together, Kim, she's like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so it, my wife approves this of this one as well. And he likes to listen to the entire thing, not just like. Oh, no, no. You, yeah, yeah you got to listen to it all. He goes right start to back the entire score. Well, isn't that the thing, though, like you said right at the beginning, like if if you can listen and really it's not just soundtracks, it's record albums for me, too. Like some of the best records are the ones that I can listen to from from thing. like front to back, back to front, the whole thing never skipping a track and there are so few of those yeah. uh, in in my world that yeah i mean if that if that's something for you then that does make it something special yeah and that's oh, the good boy. thing about disney soundtracks of late anyway uh they release like the first half of the album yeah sure it's all your pop titles and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know catchy songs and uh, we got a comment here uh from eric and canto is up there you guys should watch i have watched and you're right it is a great film i have not watched it yet but i mean check it out okay i will definitely do that but uh the soundtrack we just picked that one up for jen uh again first half of the album is all the catchy songs right 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 all the scores all the score it's interesting how they split that up um strangely enough that you say that they did the same thing with my number one and i guess we can uh move on to the number ones okay so the, the number one this is a bit of, a, I wished I had done a little bit more research on this because there is an actual, like, there is a soundtrack where the music that I'm going to talk about is actually included on the soundtrack. But the number one movie soundtrack for me of all time is uh, 1985's Highlander. Nice. And specifically, the the studio album, Queen, uh, A Kind of Magic, is all of their music from Highlander with the exception of one track. And that is the song One Vision that would turn up in 1986 on the movie Iron Eagle. Hmm. But yeah, so I mean, if if uh, if Rockstar was the closest thing to a biopic, then Highlander would be the closest thing to a rock opera. And I mean, if you're going to take a rock opera, was there a more operatic rock singer than Freddie Mercury? Not at the time. I don't think so. So, I mean, uh, even if you've never seen this movie, like if you just listen to A Kind of Magic um, exactly in the track order that it's listed, because it, it comes up chronologically just like it does in the film, the themes in the music, because they mirror the movie so heavily, it does play like a rock opera. And uh, I would say that, 
oh man when you talk about signature tracks from this one there's probably uh there's probably two uh i would say uh who wants to live forever is obviously one of them but i mean it's it's like super sad and and melancholy and, and that's not really how i was feeling when i put this together so it has to be it has to be the uh the anthemic uh princes of the universe which is like a super super cool track because it's actually oh my god uh princes of the universe was actually the uh the title uh the working title of the movie before it got, became highlander huh. and that's where it comes from where uh, the lyrics are talking about how the immortals are like uh superior to like mankind uh yeah it used again for the did you watch highlander the tv I series used to watch okay that a lot. yeah um don't hate me but the the theme song is the best thing about that show <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a highlander fan you you know what i'm saying when i say everything after highlander one doesn't count right oh. right but highlander four <laughs> they mashed up highlander four oh the uh the reckoning was that what it was called uh, no i think that was two highlander four was where christopher lambert finally yeah yeah adrian and, uh, paul yeah and they finally I do remember. Yeah. Well, then you've got, so you get Highlander, then you get Highlander to the quickening, the quickening, and then you get the, uh, the renegade cut, which basically, oh my God, Highlander two takes everything that Highlander established and says, Nope, we're now aliens from another world. And it's awful. You watch the, the renegade cut and they try to like, they do some like creative overdubbing to try and correct some of the things like we're from another world to the things like we're from the past right and it just doesn't work then you get highlander 3 comes along which is essentially a retelling of highlander 1 as if highlander 2 never happened <laughs> but yeah um man uh princes of the universe is the only song on the record that's solely attributed to freddie like he's got sole writing credits on it mm. um and again like i said it comes from the original working title of the film uh it, it, lyrics referring to the immortals themselves and their superiority over mankind um <laughs> no matter how you look at it though it's one of those songs that when you hear it no matter what you were doing you stop and you turn it up <laughs> yep. so there you go it's been an inspiration to me well i've been feeling like crap and uh yeah it is uh one of the best queen songs i think out there so yeah my number one is the Highlander soundtrack, more specifically, Queen's A Kind of Magic. So nice. that takes us to your number one, sir. My number one. Uh, I'm going back to the same franchise. I am uh, going back to Kill Bill Volume 1. Ooh. Uh, originally released September 23rd, 2003, under the Maverick label again. Uh, this one would land at number one on the Billboard soundtrack album. Okay. Chart. And uh, this one was organized and mostly produced and orchestrated by the RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. And it would reach number 45 on the Billboard 200 chart. Uh, it contains a wide variety of uh, musical genres, and it also contains some spoken dialogue from the film, as well as uh, some sound effects at the end, for good measure. Uh, this is the soundtrack that would introduce Western audiences to the song Battle Without Honor or Humanity oh. by Japanese rock musician... I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Tomoyasi Hotai. Hotai. Is that how you pronounce? I think that's, how, I think so. I think it's how you pronounce it. Uh, but I consider this one to be the signature track. The signature. The okay. Let's take a listen. And I think of it as a car commercial. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that a fair out. thing to say? 
Yeah, maybe. It's definitely a movement piece. <laughs> oh, of uh, course it is. Yeah. They play it during the crazy 88s walking down the hallway. And yeah, yeah, there yeah, any yeah. more epic walking music? No, not really. <laughs> um, you know, this one, it's gone on to appear in numerous film and TV properties, including uh, Michael Bay's Transformers, uh, oh, Shrek yeah, the Third, so, yeah. Team America, World Police. There's another. Oh, boy. Uh, My name is Earl Raising Hope and many more. Oh, interesting. So, you know, combined with an eclectic mix of songs from Nancy Sinatra, Charlie Feathers, and others. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one became and remains one of my favorite soundtracks. Dude, you have the craziest collection of, uh, 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 you've you've compiled a list that I don't think anybody else would have come up with those uh, film choices in that order. Um, I'd love to see what's going on in your brain. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was great though. And this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing this. Uh, I hope you guys like this too. Cause I, I think there's a, there's another idea floating around. Uh, if you guys like this one, I think maybe one of the next ones we're going to do. We talked about this the other day about doing um, television theme songs. Ooh. You think that would be fun? There's a lot of really catchy ones. What do we got here? We got Eric coming in again. Quick fire from the outside. Scott Pilgrim versus the world school of rock. James Cameron's avatar. Great show guys. Thank you very much. I like a, a lot of those stuff. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's a fantastic film, by the way. And, uh, Oh, avatar. Mm. And it's like 17 sequels that God, are they ever going to show up eventually? Right. So, uh, if you like this uh, style of show, stay tuned we've got more coming i think the next one is going to be tv theme songs i don't know if if there's 10 you know what there probably is 10 there's probably more if i really put my put my head to it yeah but um yeah lots more to come in the pipe we've got some special things uh planned uh lined up for you guys hoping to hear back from some special guests um fingers crossed that everything goes out without a hitch because uh, uh in case you missed we we actually had a tuesday recording uh, because I had a small <laughs> electrical fire here, which knocked out my internet. So Oops. that's all been fixed. Here we are. It is our regular Sunday night uh, slot. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be able to maintain that. So uh, some more predictability. But like I said, there is a whole lot more coming from us here at Fandom Power. And don't forget, we've got uh, Moon Knight coming in March. I believe so. Yeah, Moon Knight coming in March. And that may or may not be something that we will take a, a, a little bit of a heavier look at. Uh, on top of all the other things that we have planned here at uh, Fandom Power. But like I said, if there is a, a piece of fandom that uh, you are particularly jazzed about that you want to see us cover a little more in depth, shoot us a line on our social media, send us an email, and uh, let us know uh, what we're doing right and uh, what you'd like to see more of. But other than that, I think that's it for me. Yeah, that's our uh, top tens. Top ten uh, film soundtracks of all time, as chosen by you and I. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time for Fandom Power, my name is Wes. I'm Andy. And we'll uh, catch you on the next one, guys. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.